Let's take our Bibles this evening to Psalm chapter 11. Psalm chapter 11. We've titled this little devotional, When the Foundations Crumble. When the Foundations Crumble. Now, Psalm chapter 11, we don't have a lot of specific details as to the exact event, but Psalm 11 is what we would uh, call a crisis-level event. In fact, Stephen Lawson, in the Holman Old Testament commentary, gives us a cultural backdrop as to this psalm. And I believe that it's very timely. He says, quote, David was facing a national crisis that threatened to overturn the stability of the nation of Israel. All around him, the moral foundations of the people were crumbling. This upheaval was caused by evil men who sought to do him harm. Adding to this ordeal, the people who were loyal to David panicked, counseling him to flee Jerusalem. But David remained calm and resolute, keeping his eyes on the Lord. In this hour of crisis, David determined to trust in God in spite of his circumstances. His faith, unshakable and unwavering, kept him steadfast in uncertain times. End quote. That very statement could have been written about the times in which we live. A national crisis, crumbling moral foundations, evil people seeking to take advantage of said situation. And so Psalm 11 is very relevant to us today. And by examining Psalm 11, we're going to see how David responded when the foundations crumbled. We find two responses. The first is in verses 1 through 3, and the second response is in verses 4 through 7. Verse 1 says, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrows upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? First response when the foundations crumble is do not listen to the voice of hopelessness. Do not listen to the voice of hopelessness. Notice David was trusting in the Lord right in the midst of his trial. He's trusting in the Lord. In the Lord I take refuge. And although his faith was well known, although people knew, hey, David takes refuge, he, he, his hope, his trust is in the Lord, that didn't stop people around him from grimly advising him to flee as a bird to the mountain. And you know, that's the same advice, you know, the woe is me advice that people give you today. Oh, yeah, we just got to get away from our problems. We got to get off somewhere. We need a rest from this. Uh, we need to just get away from our problems. Go off somewhere. Get, flee your present circumstances. My friends, I got news for you. Getting away from it all doesn't solve a thing. Ignoring it doesn't solve a thing. Sweeping it under the carpet doesn't solve a thing. All that does is add more hopelessness to the situation. Now, these quote-unquote advisors, if you will, to David, evidently considered his adversaries, to his enemies, to be so numerous, so strong, so crafty. Oh, David, you have little hope of success against them. And isn't that the same thing we hear from people today? Even those, quote-unquote, who should know better? Oh, it's too big, it's too great, it's too this, it's too that. The enemy's going to cause the very foundation of society to be destroyed. Now that verse, verse 3, 
the foundations. What are the foundations? Well, the foundations are this. The foundations refer to the law and the order of society based on the Lord's rule. If the law and the Lord's order of society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see, the temptation from the faint-hearted is based on the, on, on the fear that, oh, what if the nation crumbles? What if the nation this? What if the nation that? And we, see, we hear this same gloomy assessment today that was given to David. Oh, the wickedness is so strong. Oh, the wickedness is so great. It's flourishing. The foundations are crumbling. All is hopeless in the world. The righteous can do nothing to stem the tide. See, that's one response. You can listen to the voice of hopelessness, but David says, do not listen to the voice of hopelessness. Now let's look at the other response in verses 4 to 7. Instead of listening to the voice of hopelessness, you need to listen to the voice of faith. Notice verse 4. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the ones who love violence His soul hates. Upon the wicked He will rain snares. Fire, brimstone, burning wind will be, upon, will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. And the upright will behold his face. You know, David's advisors, these people that were giving him this advice, quite clearly expected one answer, and one answer alone, to the question, what can the righteous do? And their answer was this, nothing. What can the righteous do? Nothing. And David responded, no, the righteous can trust in the real source of a secure nation, of a secure government, of a secure rule of law, and that is the Lord. The God who is greater than Goliath is also greater than the wicked who are seeking to destroy the foundations. And so David sets himself to remind himself and those around him, of certain key truths about God. First of all, in verse 4, God is sovereign over all. He is in His holy temple. His throne is in heaven. You need to remember that. God's still on the throne. I've said it repeatedly over the last several weeks. God has not abdicated the throne. Verse 4 also tells us, that he not only is sovereign over all, he is well aware of what the wicked, of who the wicked are and what they're doing. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Listen, he is not unclear about evil. He has the utmost hatred for evil. And in due time, he is going to bring judgment on the wicked. He says, upon the wicked I'll rain snares, fire, brimstone, burning wind. Now friends, if you think God is just lovey-dovey, you better read that again. He hates the wicked who hold on to their wickedness. Listen, I hear people say, oh, but pastor, God loves the sinner and he hates the sin. Well, think about this. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. But if you persist in your sin and you continue in that sin, I got news for you, you are the enemy of God. Now conversely, the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord smiles upon those who practice righteousness. 
Verse 7, he loves righteousness. Now that truth presents a very sharp dilemma. If the Lord indeed loves righteousness and he hates evil, then why? And perhaps you've asked this question over the last several weeks. Why does he allow evil to flourish? Why does he allow evil to trouble his people? Why do we have to deal with this virus? Why do we have to deal with what's going on? You know, what is God's point in all of this? What is God doing? If he loves the righteous, what, what, what's, what's his end game? Well, interestingly enough, David does not attempt a detailed answer. He wrote to affirm his faith. He didn't write this to try to untangle the thread of evil. Fact of the matter is, he can't. Only God can. But he does drop a hint for us in verse 5. See, the reason why David was going through his crisis level event, and the re- one of the reasons why we're going through this quote-unquote crisis level event, is because, verse 5, the Lord tests the righteous. The Lord tests the righteous. When evil thrives, when wickedness thrives, when bad things thrive, when the world just is going crazy... It is an opportunity for the people of God to show the stuff of which we are made. To show that we do not love and serve God only in the fair weather, but we love and serve God in the foul weather also. So when someone says to you, you know, what's God got in all of this for you? Well, first and foremost, he's given it to us as a test. He's given it to us to test what we're made of. He's given it to us to test whether or not we're going to keep loving and serving Him. Not just in the good times, but in the difficult times. So what do we do when the foundations are destroyed? Well, Psalm 11 answers this question by giving us a different foundation. Trust in the Lord. Make the Lord your security. Make the Lord your refuge. Know that He inhabits eternity. Know that He reigns over the chaos of this world. His throne is in heaven. His moral order transcends this world. His kingdom cannot be overthrown. He is the just judge. He tries all the hearts. He hates those of violence. And those evil wicked men will know His wrath. But the righteous, the child of God, will know His presence for all eternity. God's character is righteous. His character will be made known. And if you have His character, if you are righteous as He is, then use this time to show that to a lost and dying world that is struggling with hopelessness. So what do we do when the foundations crumble? Don't listen to the voice of hopelessness. Listen to the voice of faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that you've given to us this evening, the opportunity to look here briefly at Psalm 11 and to get some perspective. Father, we're, we're, we're surrounded by hopelessness. Voices all around us, not giving hope, but hopelessness. Father, I pray that you'd help us to turn a deaf ear to that nonsense. And then, Father, instead we would listen to the voice of faith. We would listen to those men and women, your children, Father, who are crying out and calling us to live by faith. That, Father, we would look at the examples of of the men and women of faith throughout the Scripture. 
who lived in different times of crisis. And Father, in spite of the crisis, they remain faithful to you. Lord, we struggle, we wonder, why, Lord? If you love us, why are you allowing the righteous to suffer? And Father, in fact, the matter is, you allow it because you're testing us. Father, God, I pray to that end you might help us to pass the test. You've promised in your word that you'll not give us above and beyond more than we're able to handle. And so, Lord, we trust wholly in thee. Help us to hear the voice of faith. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to live by faith that we might be an example to a lost and dying world. We pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen.